0: Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is John Macy, who is an Alexander Technique teacher and a physical therapist in Omaha, Nebraska. He's been an Alexander teacher for 32 years and a physical therapist for 30, and we are going to talk today about... um, some uh, unusual uh, clients that uh, John seems to have attracted, namely horses. John, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Robert. Glad to be here.
0: Oh, good to talk to you. Uh, full disclosure: John's a colleague and friend of mine. We uh, exchange work on a on a regular basis. Um, so, uh, John, could you first just give our listeners a short. Uh, description of the Alexander Technique?
1: Well, my approach to the Alexander Technique is to look at it as movement re-education, very much in Alexander's sense. And in doing so, you're really teaching more than anything else. Having people gain awareness of what they're doing, gain awareness of what primary control is, which I think is a real anatomical feature of the head-neck relationship, and how to consciously control that to change the movement patterns through their body. The okay. thing I find yeah. I do as an Alexander teacher, though, is then use my hands to give them movement experiences consistent with ease in their primary control. Things they'd figured out if they do it long enough for themselves, but it just goes a lot faster if somebody shows you.
0: Mm-hmm. So so your take on on the use of hands is it's an accelerant to a more basic process.
1: Yes. I think that's most of what I use my hands for because... Yeah. I think people would figure most of this out on their own, given enough time. But why do that if somebody else can just show you? It's kind of like a musician. Mm-hmm. If they hear a piece of music, it's a whole lot easier to learn it than to try to just pick it up from the page. Absolutely. But they can learn it from the page. Sure, sure.
0: Now, now the work that you have started doing with horses, however, it does raise a question about the role of hands and the, and the role of sort of discussions and talking. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, it's very interesting working with horses because they are used to getting primarily uh, touch cues for training to work with a rider. How do you use your legs, how do we use the reins, etc. So their communication is generally tactile with the humans. It means then that you can't really, you aren't going to obviously communicate with them in English. They just don't think that way, I'm quite convinced. Mm -hmm. But they do think in a different manner. Horses are a herd animal, a prey herd animal. And in the herd, what they really do is most of them stand around, watch each other, have the Zen sort of, if we would, I guess, call it right brain experience of just observing but the thinking is usually done by one horse, usually a mare who stands away from the herd and is actually watching where's the danger, what's the way is the wind blowing, where's it time for us to go move to eat at. And they all take her lead when it's time to actually do something. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, they're doing some thinking, but not the way you and I would think of it. We think of it, I think, more like the mare does, watching out this stuff and then integrating into how we're going to move.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've been, I assume, working not just with mares, though, right?
1: No, I've worked primarily with some ma- with mares, but also with a gelding mm-hmm. and uh, and a pony, also. So, and on, these are all in barn. They are not herd animals. However, one of them was feral for several years, and it was interesting working with her because she was a little more, um, a little less trusting of what I would do. She definitely wanted to make sure that if my message was not real clear with my hands. She stepped away from me.
0: Mm-hmm. So is your, your initial uh, uh, contact with a horse to put your hands on and direct?
1: No. My initial contact is to put my hands on, get very quiet in myself so she and I can communicate. I can just be very quiet and see what she's doing with the tension pattern in her body to observe Mm-hmm. And if I'm very quiet and just observing, which is what they do in the herd, they'll stand there and really enjoy it. It's only after I've done that and I find where they have tension that's really blocking their ability to move easily that I'll start to use my hands to help direct them to move through that area. What I'm finding, because I've been working with horses that have had some injuries or problems, which is why I got started on this, Um is they take very quickly to it if I'm asking them to change their movement patterns so they can have a little more comfort in the area of injury, mm-hmm. to have somebody direct them to move differently. Now, here's where it's much like humans. I a find I'm using my hands in a very similar way to the way I use them in an Alexander teaching. But also, they are able to pick it up and realize very quickly that I need to change something here to get that result over there. So, for instance, I've been working on a horse with an injured foot, but we started way up at her hip. Mm -hmm. And she got it immediately that working on her hip and spine felt really good. We spent maybe half an hour before I had my hands down at her foot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But she came along with every step of it, and it was very obvious in her gait afterwards that she was walking very differently. And, according to the owner, just seemed a lot happier and more comfortable than she'd been for several weeks. So
0: when you first um, when you first approach a horse, uh, where would you put your hands?
1: Well, generally, I'll scratch its ears and just get them used to me being there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of being an intervention sort of thing, uh, I will put my hands on the shoulders, on the front shoulders, the withers, mm-hmm. and just work down the spine just to see where I'm feeling the tension within them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really irrelevant, actually, where the hands are. I mean, I think any good Alexander teacher is able to put their hands on somebody and sense where the the kinks, if you will, and the tension throughout that person's or animal's structure is. Mm-hmm. So initially, you're just exploring, exploring, right? I'm just observing and collecting data.
0: Right, right. And what is it, uh, you, the, the horse that you just talked about, you said, well, she seemed fine with you working uh, with her hips even though the issue was her foot. how? What is it that told you that?
1: Um, well, I was working up there, and she was shifting her weight and putting her foot down more squarely like it's designed, mm-hmm. so even though I hadn't done anything with that. The other thing is when you look at a horse's head and how its ears lie and if it's doing any licking or chewing things, which indicate it's quite happy, mm-hmm. Um, You can watch those cues to see if she's happy. And she immediately got quiet and started doing those things. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So clearly she was quite comfortable with it. In fact, the owner was holding her halter, and I told her she could go ahead and drop it, that this animal was so happy she wasn't going anywhere. And indeed, that was the case. She just let the halter go, walked away. The horse didn't move at all. Mm -hmm. And usually she'd look around and and move a little bit. She's rather a high-strung horse.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So what else would you like to say about horses and Alexander Technique?
1: Well, I think it's not doing Alexander Technique per se with them, which is what fascinates me, but it's using many of the same skills and thinking. Mm -hmm. Because we're not appealing to their, what we conceive as a consciousness, reasoning, rational mind, I really couldn't say it's the Alexander Technique. Alexander was very big on man's supreme inheritance the ability to have a rational mind to change our movement patterns Mm -hmm. and i can't say that i'm doing that with a horse can't say it's not happening but i certainly can't say it is happening Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but i think it's a very good use of those skills we have in alexander technique and i think as a teacher it really sharpens my ability to listen and be quiet so i really know what I'm feeling under my hands. Get my thinking out of my way to make sure I have really clean data coming in my hands before I decide what to do.
0: And I guess a question that would come up with people who have horses and are intrigued by this, uh, do you think that they would make, if they wanted to explore this for themselves or for their own animals, that they could contact an Alexander teacher in their area who may not have had any experience working with horses or animals? Do you think that would make sense?
1: I think it's a useful full experiment. Right. You know, even if they work with the, with the owner while they're on the horse, which is how I got started with this, was working with people, riders, and improving their ability to be on the horse. Right. And that took me to working with the horse. So I think it could be very useful.
0: Yeah, so at the very least, having a teacher work with you, the rider, could get to some of these things as well.
1: Yes. And, you know, horses, they are large animals, but that doesn't mean that they don't get bad habits or get habits about how to move that become very familiar to them. These are trained animals. They've done things over and over with a human showing them what to do. So in that sense, they're much like us, and why the Alexander technique or that approach might help in terms of learning. Gee, where's my little habit, and what could I do differently right here? Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of training for horses is all about.
0: Right, and I, I would imagine some of the harmful habits they pick up comes from not so good riding techniques, don't you think? <laughs> Or is that uh, not There's political? There's a large
1: body of information about that being the cause of most of their bad habits. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm guessing horses in the wild, uh, if they have uh, harmful habits, aren't going to last very long.
1: You know, I don't know. There are horses that are just naturally more integrated and move better than others. Mm-hmm you know but they do have to have a certain level of ability or you're right the darwinian pressures will will call them out over time i would think so
0: yeah maybe uh even though this podcast is primarily for um, for the general public or certainly for well i guess it's for horses and and their owners um but if maybe if you could say a word or two to alexander teachers who might be listening And do you have any advice for them if they uh, find themselves uh, working with
1: horses? I think the biggest piece of advice would be to really be quiet within yourself, to put your hands on and really see what the animal is doing and turning off that internal chatter that most of us have all the time. Mm -hmm. I find – because horses, when they're used therapeutically, that's part of their value when they're used for kids with psychological problems and injuries, is because the horses are very quiet inside. Mm -hmm. I find when I am working with the horses, and I tried this across a number of horses just this weekend, as soon as I start that chatter going, oh, we should do this, well, let's do this, the horse stiffens and backs away. I'm not communicating anymore. So I have to be real clear when I do have an idea about what to do with them that it's one idea and it's very clear. And what, nothing else is in my head.
0: What would be an example of, of a one idea like
1: that? Um, for instance, I was with one yesterday, not the one we spoke of earlier. And he had real stiffness in his – right at the bottom of his neck. How, mm-hmm. pr- how appropriate for Alexander. Right. Right. <laughs> and his owner had been aware of this and had been told by vets that there was nothing wrong. It was a bad habit. I didn't know any of this at the time that I worked with him that she had talked to other people about this animal. But I got my hands on, could really sense he was tight there, and all I had held in my mind was, just move right here between my hands. Nothing else, just let it move. And he just leaned way forward and stretched his neck out down towards the ground, and then he went from side to side all on his own, and you could feel it just moving right where he had been stiff before. I played with this because what Mm -hmm. I did next was to start thinking about his hips and his head at the same time. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I did, he quit moving. He was clearly confused or ignoring me. Mm -hmm. It It was too much. Yeah, I was asking too many things that were not related or at least not clear in my mind the connection between them. So he just didn't right and and so just to reiterate you you had your
0: hands uh on two different parts of his of his body right yeah on either
1: side of his spine right up by his sh- front shoulders
0: okay and you just said your mental i'm I want to be really clear your mental intention was you can move this or this can, this I can want, be moved, that sort of thing?
1: It was, I want some length right here, just like I would in Alexanderless. I just let my hands lengthened, mm-hmm. and that little bit of movement with my hands to show him that internal movement right there was possible. That's all I was doing, to show him you have movement available here, and he immediately started doing a gross movement incorporating that.
0: And you and you left your hands on while he did that movement, or just for yes, because yeah. I
1: wanted to see how the vertebra moved, and it was substantially more than he had previously when I wasn't asking him to move. I was just feeling what he was doing as he was standing and looking around in the stall.
0: So it sounds like the the part of the process for it to be most effective is for you to have to 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 stay generally with just one intent. Right, not a yes. whole bunch of them, and just be very quietly um, uh, clear in your own mind what you would like to happen there. Yes, without verbalizing it, obviously, mm-hmm. just uh, with your hands. So there's something kind of very clean about that, isn't there? The the language issues that we encounter with our human students don't really come up.
1: No. And the horses are used to just getting tactile cues that say, move here, mm-hmm. move this part of you. Mm-hmm. So it's a way that they're used to receiving communications from humans also. But you're right, it's it's very clean. It avoids a lot of the issues that we have between humans.
0: Right. Um, is there anything else you want to say about your work with horses?
1: No, it's a lot of fun. I would definitely encourage other Alexander teachers to consider... At least um, working with a horse or with an owner on a horse, I think Mm it provides great feedback for our hands.
0: Absolutely. And just to broaden out the discussion very briefly, uh, what would be your take on working with other animals? (laughs) I've given Alexander lessons to my dog, not my current one. She she could give me
1: lessons, but
0: (laughs) my previous one...
1: You know, I have done similar work with some dogs and even a cat mm-hmm. um, who were, again, injured or had pain. Mm-hmm. So I was using my hands in a very similar manner to get them to move in a pattern with less tension and difficulty mm-hmm. uh, quite successfully. Mm-hmm. It's, again, I wouldn't say it's Alexander technique, but it's using those skills I've developed in teaching Alexander technique to apply my hands in a manner that helps reduce the tension and pain in the animal. Mm -hmm. So I think it is transferable to other animals to some degree. I still would not call it Alexander Technique, because again, we aren't dealing with a rational, conscious mind. We could argue about that, whether or not that it's in those critters, but I think we can agree most humans at least have a rational, conscious mind.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, our former, uh, the late Marge Barstow, a teacher we both... um, did a lot of work with. Uh, I once asked her uh, if she ever did any, if she ever taught Alexander lessons to a horse. And she right away said, yes, of course. And then there was a long pause. And then she added, but you better know your horse. And I took that to mean you don't just walk up to a horse, especially from behind, and slap your hands on, on him or her. Um, you might be in for a, un, an unpleasant uh, surprise. I once actually, years and years ago, uh, was attempting to give an Alexander lesson to a cow, and the cow immediately sat down and almost crushed me. I had to kind of rush out of the way. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe the cow thought it was going to be a chair lesson. I don't know. But I guess I guess I'm what I am it was saying, a table lesson. Or a table lesson, yeah. But um, I, I guess from my experience with animals in general, you don't want to just suddenly appear with your hands uh, out of nowhere. You want to give them plenty of... Um, warning that you're there. Let them accept you, and and so on. Right? I mean, uh, horse, yeah. You
1: want to you want to build that trust and open right. the communication, just like you would with a student.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, uh, this might it's, be. A, yeah. Go ahead. It's it's funny you mentioned about Marge and horses because you know she didn't even learn how to ride till she was in her fifties.
0: Right. And if you see her riding in one of the videos that we have. When she was in her 80s, I think 83 or 84, she was she was doing great on on a horse, yeah. And it is interesting, uh, just as an aside, that the uh, there's a term in the Alexander technique called use, U S E use, that uh, is a kind of a catch-all term for oh, just in general, how well do we do things? What's our kind of coordination? Uh, across many different activities. And that and it, it, that term, Alexander borrowed from the language of horse trainers. Mm-hmm. And it's my understanding, I didn't know this until quite recently, that that term is still used by horse people to some extent. So we do owe something to horses, I think, um, in terms of the origins of the work itself. I think Alexander developed a lot of observational skills by hanging out with horses at an early age he he betted on them a lot he watched them he was a keen observer of horses
1: oh and betting on them is how he financed his move from australia to london i understand
0: exactly so um there is kind of that horse alexander connection that goes back uh, a long ways
1: the other part of that also is that horse owners are very used to looking at their entire animal's movement, its use. Mm-hmm. So their eyes are much better trained than the average person Yes, absolutely. for watching movement, at least in the animals that they ride and own. Yes. It makes them kind of fun to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think on this note, this might be a good time to end our conversation. Uh, my guest today has been John Macy, who is an Alexander Technique, teacher uh, and a physical therapist. He also is trained, I believe, in Pilates mat work and in other modalities. Um, And um, most recently, kind of a horse whisperer type
1: guy, would you say? (laughs) No, I don't whisper to him. Yeah, but (laughs) a, a horse... Person, I'm just doing movement education with Move, horses.
0: A horse movement educator or re-educator. Yeah. Uh, and John lives in Omaha, Nebraska. If you are in the Omaha area, we'll put a link to his uh, his own website and also the website of his, his sort of corporate uh, website. And if you live anywhere else in the world and you're intrigued by this, um, and you, especially if you are a horse rider or a horse person, Uh, And you want to find an Alexander, you want to learn more about the Alexander technique or find a teacher in your area, we'll put a link to a site that will let you do that. John, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure, Robert. Thank you.